Hi, Business with Mahesh Joshi. We're going to discuss the most pressing question of the current times. How do you run your business, or let's say companies, in the age of enormous data overload and distractions? I have with me today the right person to address this topic, Mr. Gaurav Rastogi, a true corporate yogi. And he is with us to discuss the importance of aligning the personal traits like technical capabilities or subject matter expertise, etc., with spirituality. How do you get focus? How do you get performance? Getting all of them aligned in the age of distractions. Now, let me introduce Gaurav. Gaurav Rastogi is the co founder of an artificial intelligence startup, Infinote.com, which he started after a very long and successful career in sales transformation at a $8 billion software services company. He is MBA from the number one program in India. It's called Indian Institute of Management in Ahmedabad. He is author of two business books, and he himself believes that the future of work is going to be very different from the monolithic corporate model that we are all familiar with. Maybe we are already seeing it with some of the companies disappearing. And uh, he also feels that companies will tap into distributed workforces that are shared with other companies. And that as employees will mix work in learning in quick cycles. He says computers were once people too. <laughs> That's true, much. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, computers were once people too. In the earlier 20th century, uh, uh, computing was done by people. So if you had to calculate the trajectory of a rocket as it's uh, going into into you know into the Earth's atmosphere and then coming back down, uh -huh. someone needed to compute it. And typically, that was just a bank of people working on those uh, calculations. So computers were once people too. Oh, and amazing! Similar to that, a lot of human jobs that we do today, uh, those designations will soon no longer apply to uh, to human um, mm -hmm. uh, workers, but to digital labor, mm -hmm. AI of some sort. So That's yeah, amazing. Uh, computers were once people too. Yeah, it's the the, the terminologies are coming back. Uh, it, it's the cycle is completing. And, um, and also he believes that much of what we currently dislike about work is repetitiveness and the lack of satisfaction. And it will all be done by computers and artificial intelligence. And that's what his own startup, Infinote, is all about. But there is another amazing side of Gaurav beyond being a successful corporate leader, uh, having run and managed large corporation, which makes him very, very interesting. He's also known as Icarus Gorak, his spiritual name, and he's founder of nonprofit Mantra Chakra Foundation, and that promotes healthy living through meditation and yoga. Now you see the combination where it's coming from: corporate life, technocrat, meditation, yoga. A, a, a complete picture here: body, mind, soul, physically, mentally, spiritually. So he's also a meditation teacher with very advanced yoga credentials. And he has also co-authored one meditation ebook and a podcast on meditation called Living Meditations, which is available on iTunes and many other places. So uh, uh, welcome, uh, Gaurav. Uh, uh, it's, it's nice to have uh, you on this program for this very interesting discussion today. Namaste. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Gaurav, just to uh, give a preamble to our discussion, I know we'll have a lot of things to cover later in the program. Uh, I, I would put it this way that we are all living in an age of distraction and destruction. Uh, distraction, I would rather put enormous. The old world is being destroyed before our own eyes, whether it is politics, whether it is technology, whether it is business, or it is economies. But it is the distractions that pose a larger threat. That's not allowing us to focus. We are distracted by constant change. The frantic news cycles and weaponization of the technologies of mass distraction, such as social media and 24-7 communication. That's all around us. And now let's look at the lifestyle and business. 
the discussion of the quantum speed of change in lifestyle, business, and environment are widespread. It's going on everywhere. You can call it from, from Buffalo to Beijing, any part of the world, you can see it. The new technological innovations, business models are threatening existing legacy business players. Uh, and, and in one of our earlier programs, uh, we had certain data that the top five companies by market cap, maybe not more than uh, uh, two decades ago, had only one technology company. And now there are five. All five are technology. Everything else has disappeared. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out most of them are the startups which have come up in the last two or three decades. That's a big change. Now, these legacy businesses were not weak. They were strong. And there was little thought that anything could change them. They, they, they were so big. However, as with most of the changes, those do not pay attention, they pay the price for that. And that seems to be happening. And if vigilance is not a common trait, and no one is watching where the disruption is coming from, the ramifications are inevitable. You cannot avoid it. And in the current environment, the amount of data bombarding you is enormous. It's so huge. And in this age of high intensity distraction, how do you perform? And that's, that's always bothering me in my thought process. How do you perform efficiently and keep your business relevant? Where and how do you focus? And uh, let's see, uh, how does the business world work? For our further discussion in, in later on segments, let's break it for simplicity into three parts. One is, uh, let's address somebody who's heading a business, a leader. And um, I'm using terminology from one of your articles, the man on the mountain. I would like to know more about it later on, but I love that word which you use. So how does that man behave? What traits are needed? How should he train himself? Or maybe he doesn't need to be trained, but for survival in today's world, maybe it's needed. Second is, that's the guy who is passing, uh, instructions is not the right word, but giving direction, setting direction. There is a level in every organization which is picking up those uh, directions, adding more value into it, and taking it to the next level. And the next level is getting the direction, let's call it the third level. You're simplifying the organization into three, and that gets those direction, again adds value which they should as human beings, and then they are delivering it. So now I'll pass on to you to start with the very first segment on the leaders and uh, I would still use the word, the man on the mountain, you used in one of your articles. What do you mean by that? And why that particular word? The man on the mountain is still wanting. That was the name of my article. Uh -huh. Here's what's going on. Uh, we were taught when we were back when we were in engineering undergrad and B school, that all your life you have to work hard and climb this this mountain of, of, uh, of your corporate ladder, right? Up the corporate ladder and you get to the top and then, then you're the king of the world, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, a few years on, you realize that uh, there's uh, this ladder is an unending ladder. And when you get to the top, the guy at the top is extremely unhappy, is extremely dissatisfied and disconnected with themselves and is, um, is increasing, increasingly at a loss for direction for himself mm -hmm. and is unable, unable to lead others because of this uh, inability. So the man on the mountain is, is each one of us who's now a leader in their, in their domain, whether it's politics or business. And, um, and at, on top of the mountain, it is super lonely at the top. Um, uh, Vivek Murthy, who was a Surgeon General of uh, the United States uh, in the Obama administration, <coughs> he wrote about it saying there's a loneliness epidemic. Mm -hmm. And he said that 50% of the CEOs feel lonely. And that's probably an understatement. So there is a problem at the top because the man on the mountain is wanting. And if the man on the mountain is wanting, why should anybody else climb this ladder? And how is it that someone who's at the top of the mountain is unable to see clearly? Mm -hmm. How will they lead as, as leaders? Mm -hmm. That's a big challenge of our times. How do you provide confidence? How do you provide courage to your team? How do you provide direction and clarity 
if you yourself are are struggling for for meaning and purpose or energy that that's a tough one because the whole organization is looking at you and they want to draw from you and you're thinking okay well i'm here what's my next motivation that's right yeah yeah and, why should i show up to work every day yeah and 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 what's my support mechanism and especially when it takes time to become that leader when you're taking so much of time to climb that mountain and little realizing while you're climbing the mountain the path to reach the mountain was changing yeah and the environment yeah. around you was changing and maybe when you reach the top at the top the environment is changed and beyond what you were expecting now how do you adapt to it how do you still keep motivated how do you discipline yourself so yeah. that, that's those, those are, yeah that those are important questions uh, there's a lot of topics we can cover but i'd break it down to four things that uh, that we should focus on mm -hmm. first is uh, the leader's ability to handle time mm -hmm. in very different ways and i'll bring you the yoga perspective into it so mm -hmm. so you're able to sort of uh, appreciate uh, there's a lot of ancient wisdom available to us whether it's uh, the whole idea of uh, time itself Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual energy i call it the heart mm -hmm. uh, that's really important uh, for leaders in all ages but especially now when there's less clarity in the mind and the third is math the mm -hmm. ability to handle a new kind of math mm -hmm. the math we've been taught in school the math we use at work mm -hmm. turns out is is the worst kind of math uh, at this point and it's a small part of the the math that's actually available to us mm -hmm. and finally um, in in sanskrit we call it sanskar but you could call it process or culture how do you handle process and culture your own individual process interpersonal process but organizational processes and culture those are all important things uh, let's talk about time yeah i think this is very important because what you just said that for leadership the, the first point is since you are always under the microscope everybody is watching you and you are setting the example the self is very important what's your personality how do yeah. you come across and to develop that all these four pieces are very very important so what we're going to do is why not we focus on self first and that self uh, that what do you stand for who you are how do you conduct yourself how do you conduct business how do you motivate yourself so those four pieces we will address in our next section we'll call as for the man on the mountain the leader as self your personality we'll take a short break now um, gaurav and we will discuss on self after the break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Private equity firms have over $1 trillion to invest. They are the biggest funding source for growing companies. Why do they reject 98% of deals? How do you get the right deal for your company? Join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and avoid the financial landmines. Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Mahesh Joshi. Uh, today, uh, we're going to discuss the most pressing question of the current times. We're already in discussion with Mr. Garo Rastogi. Uh, the question is, how do you run your business in, or your companies in the age of enormous data overload and distractions? Um, fortunately, we are the right person, Mr. Garo Rastogi, a corporate yogi himself. Uh, and we are going to discuss the importance of aligning the personal traits like technical capabilities, subject matter expertise with the other important aspects of spirituality, how do you focus and how do you deliver performance when you are being constantly distracted in the digital age. So um, welcome back again, Gaurav. We were discussing about leader, the man on the mountain, and uh, you talked about the four important pieces for the personality of a leader, which I would call leader himself. Uh, would you like to start with the first one? Yeah, so we were talking uh, about time. So the ability to master time for yourself and for your organization is an important trait uh, for a leader. Let me explain what that means. Uh, and this comes from uh, my background in yoga where uh, in fact, uh, in yoga, you know, the, one of the, the sort of most important texts is Patanjali Yoga Sutra. And its first word has everything to do with time. The first word itself is enough uh, for us uh, to, you know, to speak about for, you know, for days or weeks, which is Atha. Now, it turns out uh, every moment and the ability to understand the moment itself and to be in the moment itself is a core part of uh, your spiritual practice as a leader. The ability to handle uh, layers of time is important. The ability to not feel the tyranny of the clock um, uh, as you're making decisions is an important part of being a leader. The ability to play things out into the future is an important part of being a leader. And the ability to foresee the future, future and forestall future happenings before they happen, before future trouble before they happen. All of these have to do with mastery of time for yourself and as a leader uh, for your organization. So let me talk about uh, the first one, which is understanding that this moment is a moment in a series of such moments from infinity behind to infinity beyond. And understanding that this moment, there's only so much you can do and that it plays into the context overall flow of history behind and the future in front that is unknown and yet to come. And so the ability to understand the connection of what we're doing right now in this moment, how we're spending our time in this moment, and connected with everything that's happened and that everything that needs to happen is an important part of uh, a leader's job. Another is uh, the ability to slow time. It turns out, uh, you know, we try to do many things at the same time because we, we think we don't have enough time. So we try to do four things at one time or five things. It turns out it takes us now longer to do each individual thing and all the collective things because we now feel we are being oppressed by the clock. We're trying to do a lot of things. And the way to retrieve or regain uh, some semblance of control is to slow time by being able to hold on to your attention and direct it willfully to the topic you wish to direct it to. And that uh, that's actually a core part of meditation training, which is the ability to slow time, the ability to direct your attention. You'd said something in a previous conversation which caught my attention, which is uh, pay attention or pay the price. Uh, most people don't know how to pay attention, and so they make do by paying the price. And, uh, and, and, and so to learn to pay attention, you have to learn to meditate because it allows you to, uh, to stop your mind from running into 10 different things and multi-threading and, and trying to do everything all at once. And in fact, slowing down time and focusing on one thing at a time. That's, uh, that's the next thing. Well, the third is, is uh, being able to, um, uh, to understand the value of time to yourself and using it, um, your, your own time, 
uh, in being true to yourself. So Steve Jobs in his very famous uh, commencement address at uh, Stanford said this, right? He said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living somebody else's life, right? Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living by the results of other people's thinking. All of this is about uh, valuing your own time, right? And 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 therefore also valuing the time of people around you, not wasting time on things that aren't uh, you know, your natural genius and not wasting time in doing things that aren't going to bear fruit. Another thing we say in, in yoga is um, future suffering is avoidable, which is to say that, uh, for example, uh, you, you're out in, in Houston, right? So you when, you when you see it's hurricane season, you could see on a radar, a Doppler, that here's a sort of hurricane forming and it's coming down in three days. You're going to close down the house and fill up the car and get ready to leave when the hurricane arrives, right? You could do, see that with hurricanes three days out, maybe. But there are hurricanes you can see two years, three years out. If you don't do this in your company today, you're going to be in deep trouble in two to five years. That future suffering is avoidable if we take action today. You can act in time. The problem is it's inconvenient to act today because maybe you see it as a leader that this is going to happen. Other people either don't see it or don't experience it or don't understand the urgency to act now or the that the discomfort you face now in transitioning or in packing up the car and leaving is nothing compared to the discomfort of having the roof blown over your head, right? It's just It doesn't compare. And it's the same thing while running a, your own company, which is future suffering on account of inaction today is avoidable by taking action today. However inconvenient it might be today, it is worth doing because that's what time is about. And that's uh, the other thing about time, which is the ability to, to foresee problems in the future and act. So, so let me sum this up. The ability to understand that this moment is but a, a single moment in a sequence of infinite moments behind and beyond. And therefore, knowing that this moment you can't make up for infinite time behind and you can't do everything you have in infinite time in the front, right? You can only do so much in this moment. But don't let the, the smallness of this moment stop you from acting. Because you might think, hey, I have to do 20 things. Sure, if you have to do 20 things and you can only do one at a time, the only way to do them is to do them one at a time. So act now. You know, and, and so that's the first thing. The second is know the value of time and, and your own time and everybody else's time. And then learn to slow time through the process of, you know, learning to meditate and directing attention on the things that are, are urgent and, and require attention. And that allows you to actually make up more time. So, which sounds like a paradox, you slow your, your thinking down. But it creates more time because you get more stuff done. And finally, things that are going to happen in time and you see them because you're the man on the mountain, you're the one who can see far ahead in the distance. You can see future problems. Uh, disruption is all around, right? But if the leader is distracted, then they can't see the disruption that is in inevitable. But if you can learn to meditate, you will, you will no longer be distracted. You will see the disruption that's around and act in time to avert a future disaster. That, that's a very good point. I'm saying, on your timing thing, I totally agree with you. But here is, the, here is what we see normally, except if you take out the startups. There are, there are no sure. rules. It is always to get something done and get something uh, you know, new done. And so there is a very different kind of thinking where innovation is at the peak. You're trying to do something new. It is, it is not you're trying to replicate in what is happening. But if you look at the business structures, uh, maybe that's one of the reasons what we discussed, the top five companies by market cap are not the old ones. I'm not saying all of them have disappeared, but their value increase has not been supported by market as much as the other ones who are in t sync with time. 
or who are defining the moments now and who will sure. be defining the moments in future. So um, the, the question which comes to my mind uh, at this point of time, uh, as you were uh, talking, it's so relevant. So if you see the company structure nowadays, uh, again, I'm taking out all the new age companies, old age companies. What do you have at the top, even beyond the leader? Okay, well, leader, while he was walking the, uh, the path up the mountain, the environment would have changed. A lot of things would have changed. He would have gained a lot of knowledge. But look at the boards who are even on top of the leader in, in a manner if he's not the chairman of the board. Now, who do you have on the board? Mostly you have the most experienced or the retired executives. So probably you're trying to pull in the old and dated knowledge to drive a company in present to build the future and how far that can happen. And maybe that's one that could be, I'm not the, the master of this subject, is the reason of those five top companies in terms of market cap are not those companies. These are yeah. all the yeah. Facebooks and Amazons and all those were innovative, but not driven by the, that too much of experience and too much of past being put into practice today to define the future, which is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. When I was leaving uh, one of uh, the, you know, the companies where I spent a lot of time, uh, this was my farewell note uh, in the company to all my colleagues, which is if you keep looking back at history, uh, then you're going to be you're going to become history. You have to look forward in time in order to make history. Right. And most people are comfortable looking back and becoming history because it's so comfortable. You know, old days were great. We were doing X, Y, Z things at this, you know, this growth and this margin. And I want to preserve that. The problem is. You can't preserve the past if you don't deserve the future, right? You're going to you're going to have to work on changing things continuously. You can't say I wanted you know I want the you know wayback machine to 20 years ago. You just can't go there. And uh, yeah, and uh, and that's that's true for a lot of companies that that I see. It's not just Silicon Valley versus uh, other companies thing. On the other hand, I, I disagree a little. I think it's a question of which companies have understood this idea of time itself. The times change, and when times change, you have to change. Uh, I mean, think about it. If you look at Amazon, uh, sure, Amazon's into, into e-commerce and, and so on, but they have bought Whole Foods, right? So it's not that they don't think there's room for a brick-and-mortar store. It's that the brick and mortar store doesn't know what to do in, in this new world. Yeah, and they created a business model which was in sync with the future. Or yeah. At least for the current, we can say that the current times, it's in sync. Yeah. And yeah. It is, it, they did not follow the old strategy. It has worked in the past, so it will keep working. So like yeah. uh, I can give you an example, like in the manufacturing industry, uh, the Toyota way of manufacturing was so famous, everybody wants to do that. Well, that's many, many years ago. <laughs> it's history now. <laughs> similarly, similarly like, there are some industry standards, but those standards were built on the past when the environment was different. And if everybody copies, will that be successful? And maybe the environment in your business is different. Instead of creating for future, you copied somebody's past. Toyota way of manufacturing, quality system, Lean Six Sigma of GE. Have they been those large companies who came out of this system have been able to sustain themselves with that kind of growth, which others have created by being in sync with time? I would rather say one is you can use the word innovation. I would rather say in sync with the time. They did the right thing. A great discussions. Uh, Gaurav, we'll take a short break and we'll continue uh, after the break. Thank you. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, we're going to have a very interesting discussion in this segment where we're going to address the most pressing question of the current times in the modern environment where it's digital age in play. How do you run your business? How do you run your company in this age where you have enormous data being poured on you and you have distractions from almost anywhere and everywhere, any direction you can think of? So I have the right person who can really help us to get an insight on this topic, Mr. Gaurav Rastogi, himself a corporate yogi. So uh, he's going to discuss with us the importance of aligning the various critical success factors, rather what you call factor success factors, to get the performance and, and at the same time be satisfied, be energized. So how do you align your... Uh, capabilities. It could be personal capabilities, technical capabilities, some subject matter expertise with more important part of a human being. What about spirituality? What about getting focused on things? How about delivering performance? And all of this in the age of distractions. So, uh, Gaurav, you talked uh, very nicely about the man on the mountain, uh, the leader. And we have spoken about time. What next? What should one as a leader focus on? What should he or she do correctly? I'm going to talk about cultivation of the heart, which is a, a intensely spiritual practice. And we don't get taught about this when we were you know, being raised in our corporate careers. Cultivation of the heart is possibly the most important thing a leader could do for themselves, their families, and also for their companies. When someone is a bold leader, uh, you say they have a big heart or they're courageous or they're fearless. When someone uh, is able to lead their teams, you say they led with their heart. When someone delivers a great sales pitch or a great investor pitch or a great uh, pitch period, you say they, it came from the heart. Cultivating the heart is possibly the most intense and important personal practice which is a spiritual practice that a business leader uh, should take up. You can experience that as passion, sure. Uh, you know, in fact, the word enthusiasm itself uh, means to be filled with God uh, in Greek. Uh, so that's passion, which is to be enthusiastic. But to be filled with God is another way of saying that uh, your heart is connected to the, the ultimate source of everything. Let me. Uh, so from the yoga side, let me just sort of uh, led you into this the secret the brain is a is a very low source of energy what i mean by that is if you and i are talking about some intellectual things you and i will bore each other in about 90 minutes flat 
because that's when the brain runs out of glucose, right? It just, it just not, doesn't have any more depth in it, right? The real source of energy for all of us is the heart. It's what makes, uh, and this is the spiritual heart, not the physical heart, obviously. And this is the heart that, uh, that we know very little about these days. We live in our heads. We live in ideas. We live in things that we compute in our heads. But it's in our heart that the true source of our energy lies. And being able to connect to our own heart is important, important for a leader because that's their source of energy. That's their source of clarity and purpose. It's what keeps them going when nothing else seems to be going right. And that's their own personal connection with their own heart. Then the connection between their own heart and of people around them. When you and I are talking, you're only partly paying attention to the words I'm using. You're also paying attention to how I'm speaking. But you're also paying attention to my presence. Right? You are connecting more to my presence than you are to my intellectual ideas. Right? And so if you and I are to connect, we cannot just connect on the basis of, you know, the, the numbers or the sort of the intellectual content of my, my, uh, my commentary. You have to connect to my, my being. Right? And as a leader, if I have to lead people into the beyond, into the unknown rather, not to the beyond, then I need to be able to connect to people's hearts. Right? And that is the next thing that you need to do with the heart. The third is connecting the heart with the center of everything that is, all of existence. It turns out... Um, <clears throat> Our conscious experience is a very thin veneer, uh, and the rest of our experience, our own personal bodily experience is unconscious. The rest of this universe itself is unconscious, unavailable to us consciously, right? The only way to connect with everything is through the heart. And, and, and that's, that's why cultivating the heart is an important personal spiritual practice for every leader, be it a spiritual leader or a political leader or a business leader. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so Warren Buffett uh, tweeted this out, uh, or his account certainly did, which is, if you want to be successful, it's just this simple. Know what you're doing, love what you're doing, and believe in what you're doing. Well, here's the thing. The knowing is not about just intellectual knowing. Knowing is about the heart. Love is about the heart. And belief is about the heart. That's the success mantra of Warren Buffett's Twitter account, for sure. Right. All of them pertain to the heart. Very little of this has to do with the intellectual content or catching up with the news and, you know, uh, every other thing that we actually pay attention to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get get to that when we talk about the math. Mm -hmm. That's that's very important. I get it. And uh, I I think it looks like uh, it can be contributed to success of uh, I would rather say when, when somebody starts a new venture instead of running an existing company or a business, more of it is needed because if you do not connect with heart, you have everything to lose because you're not getting anything. You're at starting from zero. So it's very yeah, important. Yeah. So this but trade you know, this, this lack of connection to your own heart and the hearts of everything around, um, that's why the man on the mountain is lonely. Uh, like uh, the Surgeon General of the, the U.S. Uh, said a few months ago, uh, there is a loneliness epidemic in the world. And 50% of CEOs are lonely, report being lonely. And that's, again, because they are unable to connect with their own hearts or the hearts of others around them. And this loneliness comes back in the form of low energy, low engagement, low enthusiasm for work and low passion, low creativity, and frankly, low outcomes. So if you're a hardcore business leader and you do not know how to connect to your own heart, you are doing your business a disservice. Cultivating the heart should be your number one priority. Unfortunately, most people find it too late that they are, they now have to be courageous, fearless leaders who have to say bold things and take people into the future. Only when they get the, you know, get the crown on their head do they realize that they now have to be a completely different person. They may have climbed up the mountain being a numbers guy, but suddenly uh, now now you have to be a, a leader of people. 
and um, and someone who's you know going into the dark with uh, no data no reference points um, and suddenly it's all uh, murky so cultivating the heart is not something oh yeah yeah uh, uh, there's spiritual i in quotes technology the there are spiritual practices in almost all traditions uh that that are available i come from the hindu tradition i can tell you that the hindu tradition is filled with spiritual tradition whose very direct and unambiguous objective is to cultivate and grow the heart cultivating the connection with our heart cultivating finding the heart growing enriching the heart finding meaning purpose and and uh, and uh, centering yourself in your heart connecting your heart to the center of everything that is and finding nourishment and energy and empowerment from that connection all of these are the subject of uh, spiritual traditions and especially in the hindu tradition techniques abound all around uh, chanting dancing going even prayer itself gratitude uh, kindness um, even laughing with people connecting with people or even dancing uh, with people all of these things are, t- are are ways to to expand the heart Uh, art itself art itself is to connect with the heart the new focus that there is on design is actually uh, is important if you look at a, a lot of the silicon valley disruption it's led by better design that better design comes from again this connection with intuition with the heart itself right and art itself is a way to to tap into your own heart uh, so doing things that you enjoy is a way to find and cultivate the heart there's so many ways to cultivate the heart but in the rush to head up the mountain we forget to carry these uh, uh, these these uh, habits along and it's often too late that we realize that this is this is the most important ingredient for success as a leader and we haven't done it for two decades and it's too late to start mm-hmm. well that's very well said uh, gora we'll take a short break and um, we'll continue our discussions in the next segment from the boardroom to you voice america business network If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, we are going to have a very interesting discussion today, and we are trying to address 
the question every business leader as well as every human being is facing today. How do you focus on doing anything because you're getting distracted so much? For corporation, for business leaders, for individuals, how do you run your business? How do you do what you're doing when you are being inundated with data overload? You're getting distracted by social media 24-7. I have with me uh, absolutely the right person to discuss and address this topic, Mr. Gaurav Rastogi, a corporate yogi who has experience with corporations as well as on the spirituality side of human being and an advanced yoga and meditation teacher. Uh, he's going to help us to, to take a deep dive and learn about how you can connect uh, your personal traits, your personal, I would say, inventory of good things, technical capabilities, your subject matter expertise, and use yourself, the body, the human mind and body with spirituality into play. How do you focus on getting things done? How do you align all of this to deliver performance in the age, I would call it the age of distractions. You can call that as a digital age too. So, um, Gaurav, uh, you provided a lot of good insights on uh, the leaders, what, what, what you called as the man on the mountain. I love that word. And uh, he's got lonely while climbing up the mountain on the time side of it. You talked about the heart of it. What other elements one should know about and be careful and develop? It's important to learn uh, a new kind of math, not the sort of mathematics that we were taught at school, which is uh, very dry, very simple and very precise, but a new kind of fuzzy math, a different way of approaching the whole concept of numbers. See, when, when, uh, when we were running companies, you know, uh, you know, a decade or two ago, um, we were looking at you know, how much effort does it take to save 10% margin and, and therefore be 10% more profitable, right? All of those were things we did using mathematics, and that's great mathematics. Uh, and in the math we are taught, 1 plus 1 is 2, right? And it makes sense. The problem with that sort of math is that it's a very limiting view of the world. It's not that it's incorrect. It's that it's a small part of what's actually true. There is other math that is true as well. When Steve 1 meets, meets Steve 2, do you have two Steves or do you have Apple? Yeah, that's, that's a good math. So you, you can say 1 plus 1 not necessarily is 2. I can tell the teacher if I knew when I was young that 1 plus 1 is an apple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one not 1 plus 1 could be, be 11, but now it's an apple. That's, that's, when you, that's when you mix your math class with your English class. It's not A for apple, and a one plus one is not two. It's one plus one is equal to apple. <laughs> You're right. The two Steves is equal to one apple. They created the apple. The two people. Yeah. And that that the thing is, uh, the world is has more examples of that kind of math because itself. Uh, I mean, if you look at ourselves again in in the yoga perspective, we do get something from nothing every time we are born. Mm-hmm. And of course, and that nothing, of course, depending on which school of yoga you, you look at, uh, there's no nothing. There's, uh, there's there has to be something from which something came out, right? But creating something, creating itself, is about going away from the old kind of math, mm-hmm. because that's how you're creating something when nothing exists. You take two things and you create something completely new. Um, and I go back to, again, Steve Jobs. So this is him presenting, well, I have a new phone, I have a new browser, and I have a, um, a music player. A phone, a browser, a music player. Then he says, boom, I'm actually giving you just one thing. It's an iPhone, yeah. right? And so you see what's going on is it's a new kind of math. You're creating something that does not exist, that requires you to get to get past you're limiting math that you were taught at school and adopt a completely different kind of math. It might seem miraculous thinking to people, but the whole, the whole point is this world is miraculous in itself. The fact that something exists is hard to explain, right? The whole thing is a miracle. So learning a new kind of math, which is not the math of 
hey, we were doing things in a certain way. I saved this much money and now I plow it back into something else and blah, blah, blah. That math is not going to sustain you in the future. You have to be willing to understand and engage with a new kind of math. It's not to say there's no math. It's to understand that the world has a lot more going on than just the limiting kind of one plus one is equal to two kind of math. And if you're a business leader who's in the business of creating the future, creation is all about this new kind of math. Perfect. I think that's a very good example which you gave of two Steves and overall, if you get stuck in one plus one equal to two, you'll never move. You'll never innovate anything. You'll just keep repeating it. So you keep getting the two. You will never get more than two because that's what you know. Yeah, and the other angle to this is, uh, you know, it, it is said, it's a cliche in, in many places that in God we trust, everyone else must bring data. And you talked about, you know, the age of excess data, right? You do realize that now we're in an age where data in it, it is in excess supply. There's a ton of data. What's lacking is the ability to connect those data points and create something new, yeah, a new narrative, a new way of explaining. The hypothesis that you use to explain the data is the, the more important thing. The data itself, there's a ton of data all around, right? And so in God we trust, everyone else must bring, bring data. Well, and then there was data, lots of data. What do you do now, right? How do you make sense of the world in which there is a lot of data? That making sense, again, is about this new kind of math, not the limiting math of, of, you know, uh, of that we've been used to so far. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That that's something new. I think that's innovators' mindset. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from the spirituality side of it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And and um, and the fourth point you wanted to discuss. Uh, what was that, uh, Gaurav? So in in Sanskrit, this is called sanskar, which is uh, you could translate that loosely as habits or process or a grooves of habit that we formed. It turns out when you're running a company, large, small, or or, or any type, uh, you form habits, and those habits are typically problem avoidance type of habits, which is to say, well, we did this, it didn't work out, uh, work out, so we're never going to do this. So then somebody forms a rule or somehow it gets lodged into institutional memory that doing this is unacceptable because, you know, at some time in, in our long history, we've, uh, you know, we ran into trouble with that. So the longer your, your company exists on the planet, the more history, the more garbage of history you're carrying along with you in your processes. Right. And, and that becomes uh, organizational grooves of habit patterns of habit. We don't do things this way or this is how we do things and so on. This is how we see the world. All of those are uh, are limiting. And to be able to respond to what's, what's happening in the world outside, we have to be willing to let go of those habits. We have to be willing to form new habits. We have to be willing to engage with our groups of habit and say, this is no longer needed. And it's okay to move on to something else. But it's so comfortable doing things that have always been done. Or in our company, we do things this way. It's always worked for us. Well, if it's always worked for us, it's the exact reason why it's not going to work for you anymore. Mm. I think that's that's a very valid point you bring in. We, We did discuss this in the earlier section also. As you rightly said, the longer you're in existence, the more you become person of habit, or maybe you refined your problem so well that you can't face problems. But those problems were particular problems for you put the processes, system, culture in place so that you're always addressing them. Yeah, yeah. but it is it is going to solve the problem which you have faced. It is not going to solve the problem if the environment has changed. It, it cannot That's change. Exactly right. if, if, if the environment has changed, the way people behave has changed, and the people themselves have changed. And again, I'm say I don't want to name only one company, which comes to my mind is GE and companies like Toyota's, and many of them have given phenomenal systems to this world. The Toyota quality system was one of the best, but is that the only one? I don't know how many of the, those systems are getting used in the most innovative and successful companies of today which is not only picking up on Silicon Valley, let's say Silicon Valley or some other startups in various different fields, like a simple bank 
I've seen those Grameen Bank, which came out for poor. Sure. And so that's not that's not an IT company or something. But if you look at it now, let's look at the other side of it. The biggest industrial uh, company in the world, which was uh, the benchmark, was GE, was the best of the leaders, and they're known for creating the leaders, processes, and systems. If everything was so perfect, if it was designed for future, they won't be where they are, what they're facing today. You know, so maybe that was done as an expertise from the past and for managing the probably the present of that time. Yeah, I I, I used to hear this word future proof uh, some time back until until somebody pointed out that that's the exact opposite of what it's supposed to what it sounds like, which is when someone says I'm going to future proof your business, it actually means that your business is never going to go into the future anymore because it's future proof like waterproof. So. <laughs> So, um, you know, the, uh, the challenge in earlier in my career, much earlier in my career, I actually did executive search for a couple of years and I realized that we took companies from great process companies. Sorry, we took people, executives from great process companies and we moved them as, as business leaders of new entrepreneurial ventures and they would invariably fail because they're used to a certain process. They're not used to, they didn't design the process. They inherited or co-built a process. They moved to a new environment and they are completely at a loss. They don't know how to respond to the challenges of that particular time. And, and this is not to say you should not be process driven. In fact, uh, I, I, my, my whole thing is habits and processes are important, but learning to let go of bad habits and acquiring new habits is also important, and those are both important. Sticking to, look, this is our process and this is how we do things is a surefire recipe for success when nothing is changing. But when everything is changing, it's a surefire recipe for driving off the cliff because uh, because you haven't anticipated the changes. So um, that's what we call in the yoga system as sanskar, which is habits or grooves of, of uh, habits that have been acquired over a long period of time. Uh, being sensitive to the habits we've acquired, being sensitive to the need to change those habits or the need to let go or act in a counter way to your habits because you want to form new habits are all important uh, practices, uh, both personally as a leader and for organizations as, as cultures. Mm-hmm. Because that's what is unlearning and relearning. Okay, if, you, if you can't unlearn, you cannot learn new things. That continuous yeah. learning cannot happen if you're not unlearning. But I think that's very fascinating, the, the whole old thing which you discussed about the man at the mountain, which makes me think, it's just my thought, that the, the boards of the future will probably have young kids. Instead of experienced guys who are looking from the prism of their experience and always looking at with their experiences, which is enormous, why things went wrong and, and, and become more risk taking and asking more questions to the experience of the organization. And those questions driving a, a, a futuristic thinking, which probably the organization may not have thought. Because if you have organization already thought and now you're going to the more experienced prism of, uh, uh, prism to look at it, they will either will say yes or no, but their eyes are maybe older than you. Sure. Well, I I wouldn't be ageist in in sort of my 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 uh, the way I see the future. It's not about young or old. It's a question of look, age. Yeah, I mean, age and experience are important as well. Experience brings with it fearlessness because you've seen something. You know, it's you know you've seen it ten times over. It's all right. This one's no no biggie, right? That experience and that that uh, that uh, that in that sort of deep pool of intuition is also important. Uh, I think both will be needed. But if experience, yeah, if the experience brings with it fearlessness, you want it. If the experience with it brings with it weakness, because hey, I did this, it didn't work. I did that, it didn't work. I have a long list of things that we tried and they didn't work, and therefore I'm not going to do anything. That's ridiculous experience, and it's better not to have any experience compared to that bad experience because it's it's bringing with it fear and and a lack of action, versus experience that says, look, I've done it ten times over, uh, it's not a problem. This is a small thing. There's going to be another problem which will be bigger, but we've been through it all. We'll be through this one. That's what experience should. Be. 
I think that's very well said. Where you get the experience, the advantage of experience, as well as uh, the factor of fearlessness. That you know, that's exactly. You have chance to do something, and they're open. They themselves are not restricting from their that old prison. No, we have done it. It's only this way. If you do this way, it will not work because you're going to them for reference only. So, um, Gaurav, thank you so much. Very interesting discussion. And unfortunately, we have run out of time. So we will continue our discussion in next segment. Thank you once again. This has been fun, Mahesh. Thank you very much. Thanks.